The following was recorded in front of a live studio audience at the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. This is the United Podcast Network. Welcome to the Quirky Dog Podcast, inspired by some of the quirkiest dogs you can ever imagine and the owners who love them. This podcast is brought to you by the quirky couple themselves, Scott and Jess Williams. Their aim is to educate and entertain. Here's Scott and Jess. Hello, hello, hello. This is our last quirky dog podcast of the year. Can oh, you no. Believe it? 2020's almost over? You know, it's been a hell of a year. <laughs> There's been many highlights, I... but... We're going to kiss this one goodbye. I think that's an understatement. A hell of a year. All right. Our last. We got a great guest. But before we hit the guest, Mm -hmm. can we hear you do the quirky tip of the day? Oh, sure. No problem. I'll even be the pig handler. So today, what I want you guys to do, if you are not familiar already with Petra Ford, she is one of the best positive reinforcement trainers in our country. She's a total badass when it comes to fitness and competitive obedience. And if you have not heard of her before, please check out PetrasDogResourceCenter.com. She has a great newsletter that I follow, and uh, she always has a lot of fun stuff at her facility. So Petra, welcome. You had a huge, big win this month. Tell us about it. We're proud of you. Thank you. It's very exciting. It was actually just a few days ago, so it's still very fresh. <laughs> well, tell us what, what she did when also. Let us know. Well, let her tell us. Yeah, I want to hear, hear the whole thing. So let's the dog the of the year officially is going to be her black lab, Zeal. And Zeal is a big star. Everybody knows about him, especially in the competitive obedience world. But this was a big win, and it was a different type of competition than normal. So let us know what why he took home that beautiful ribbon. Um, because he was a good, good, good little boy. Um, so it's a national obedience championship. It's held um, every year. It's a super grueling competition. Um, the dogs go in the ring um, eight times the first day. And um, only the top 50 dogs make the cut to the next morning. Um, the next morning, they have to go another eight times. And only the top 20 dogs make the cut to go to the final round. Um, and then the final round, they go in the ring four times. There's two judges in each ring. Um, and that's where they uh, pick the top 10 and the placements. And ultimately, um, the 2020 National Obedience Champion comes from there. Um, it's super. It, there's a lot of um, pressure and a lot of um, distractions. It's a super, super challenging environment. Uh, so, uh, especially for my little zeal, it's a huge deal, um, because he's a very sensitive little guy. Um, he's always been, uh, very motion sensitive, sound sensitive, pressure sensitive. So I've had to work super, super hard on all that. So, um, it's a huge, um, accomplishment for the little widgie. And for you also, congratulations. Yeah. It's so exciting. And how old is he now? He's eight. He turned eight in July. That's awesome. So yeah, that's even more rewarding. So outside of being a great online competitive obedience instructor and an in-person obedience instructor, I assume you do some obedience at your place there? I only, I do a little. I just do, um, because I have um, a business where I do physical therapy on dogs and um, we do boarding, which usually is busy, not with COVID, but that's okay. Um, so I only do private lessons for competition like one day a week on my day off. 
<laughs> that's, that's when you train. So, but my point was you do all these other services. That's what I want to touch on a little bit because you have so much that you offer there at um, your new place. And it's really not even that new anymore, but you just, it's a beautiful place. I see videos of it. So what kind of services do you guys offer in person and what city are you in in New Jersey? Just so people know. Yep. I'm in Flanders, New Jersey. We've been here two years, so it is still pretty new. We renovated the whole place. Um, we have boarding. Um, so we also do board and train. We do board and rehab um, because we have the basically the rehab center, which is physical therapy on dogs. Um, so we have people that can board and rehab. We have um, daycare, not traditional daycare where they throw them in a room, but where we do interactive things with the dog or the puppy throughout the day. Um, and then I have, uh, so that's what we do at my actual facility. Um, and then I have all my online stuff and private lessons and yeah. I, I You're a busy busy. little bee. <laughs> <laughs> so another thing I wanted to mention, because, you know, we're coming to the end of 2020 here, we're looking into a new year. COVID has been a hard thing for dog business owners, no matter what business you've been in. Uh, you know, it was essential business to stay open for boarding and stuff, but groomers have had a hard time. Trainers have had a hard time. And tell our listeners and viewers a little bit about what you did during such a scary time that was so motivational in the dog community. I mean, uh, there's a, over a thousand members in that group, right? Yes. Yes. So um, explain that, so your thought process and kind of how that came to be for people. Sure. So my business is really new, um, which means I owe an enormous amount of money. So when this first happened, I was terrified, like everybody else, thought I was going to lose everything. But um, I'm a hardcore meditator and I'm a mental management addict and junkie. Um, so I quickly like, you know, just went back to kind of those skills and, you know, tried to be objective and realistic. And I figured if I had all these skills, which helped me not be terrified, I knew most people didn't. And um, a lot of the information with respect to loans and financial aid was super confusing. Um, so uh, my friend and I started uh, a Facebook page for uh, COVID um, to help and any dog business owner just help provide information, help provide resources. Um, I did a lot of online stuff, so we offered help um, showing them, you know, how they could bring their business online, um, things like that. Um, so it grew um, bigger than we ever expected, and it, but it was because uh, other people joined in and helped too. I have another friend in New Hampshire. Her full-time job is helping small businesses, working for the government. So she provided a ton of information. A lot of people jumped in. And so it, it ended up being a really good um, source of support and a really good network. And it just really helped people kind of wade through um, unemployment and financial aid and, and that kind of yeah. And you were just, it was just positive. Scott hasn't been on Facebook for a while. He's taking a hiatus. He needs his social media purges for a while, but you know, the memes were positive and everything else. And I honestly think that that was a catalyst for us during, um, quarantine and stay at home. The first time when all the kids had to come home, we offered our C-spot sniff class, which is just like a intro online nose work class. Scott has done nose work before for free for all the kids that were home. And it was just nice to do something productive. You know what I mean? And I and now actually thinking back on that and going through that process, I think it was you started that group. And I'm like, what can we do to make ourselves feel good? And like hundreds of kids did the program and wrote in and sent pictures. Right. And it was just a nice thing. Like 
oh, I feel like I'm doing something when you feel like you're so helpless. And I just felt like that group was so positive in the dog community. It was very easy to get online and be like, I have no money. This is so terrible. This is so hard. I'm so scared. And it was just a way to channel into something more productive. So something actually happened. So thank you for that as a side note. That was a, that was definitely a highlight of 2020. (laughs) Glad to hear that. Hit it with me. So you won with zeal in Orlando and we can get to the event and everything in a little bit. Did you previously win the NOC with another dog? His father okay. won it twice. Okay. Yeah. And that was His Tyler? was Tyler. Yes. Yeah. He was so a that must pretty be... spectacular dog. He also won the World Cup. So, yeah, he was pretty spectacular. Yeah. And he that was the Crufts dog, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you have been, I believe you're the only American to ever win Crufts. Is that true? Yeah. 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 So you're pretty, she's a badass. Argument for the epigenetics there. (laughs) Epigenetics and genetics. A lot of good stuff (laughs) coming through uh, those lines. uh, Let me interject, however. Um, (laughs) Neil and Tyler could not possibly be more opposite um, genetically in terms of raw material. Was the dad Um, much more confident than uh, this? Oh, yes. Uh, Tyler was like genetically. you know, just more typical, a once in a lifetime dog, like genetically. Yeah. The harder it was, the happier he was, you know, (laughs) he was innately super confident. He was innately really like, he just had all those intangibles and winning with him, honestly, for Tyler was pretty easy. He didn't teach you a lot. It sounds like, right? Yeah. Not as, no, not as much as Zeal. Zeal's taught me a mountain of information, which is like, I'm super grateful for. And uh, it's made me a better uh, trainer, a better instructor. And how did he get you to change your wheelhouse? Um, Just kind of uh, more from a broad standpoint, you don't have to get super specific, but just so people understand. He's just very, very nervous, very sensitive, very, very pressure sensitive, meaning like environmental pressure, which there's an enormous amount of that in obedience in general. Um, So I just had to kind of um, over the years, you know, figure him out, learn how to read him, learn his drive state come up with training methods that didn't exist on, um, to teach him how to manage the pressure and move, actually move into the pressure. Um, I had to change my handling completely. Um, so I've basically just, um, tried, failed, tried, failed, tried, failed, tried again and again until I, you know, came on certain, the things that worked for him and, put it all together. Like every two tramp, two, two champion does. That's a pretty standard try, fail, try, fail, try, fail, succeed. So <laughs> that's normally how it goes. I have a, I have a question, a training question. Uh, how long ago did you compete with the dad, the father of this dog? How many years ago was um, that? Tyler won it in 08 and 09 and he placed second in 2010. Right. So over a long so time ago. Has your training style changed from that dog to this dog considerably? Or have you always been a positive, if no. you want to call that a, a style, a positive. No, changed completely, 100%. Were you Turner. balanced with the yeah. first dog, more more of a balanced style? I was, I was balanced with Tyler, and I think the only reason I was not, I was less aversive was just because he was very talented and he was super honest, um, so I didn't need to. Right. Um, but positive was not on my radar at the time, other than, yeah, we clicked and treated, but yeah. Well, maybe you've just really. made you've made this dog crazy with all that clicking. Is what happens? <laughs> <Shut up. laughs> Don't listen to him. But that's an important point that actually I want to bring up. That yes, so it was 
2020 now, so this was a big win for you. It's been a decade since you won. And also, you are the very first person to win Obedience Nationals using positive reinforcement methods, I believe. I mean, there's no other I way am, that that's possible. I, I, yeah. I think I, yeah. that's a fair statement. Yes, but, it's, but that's a huge <laughs> and it, deal. And, and I was told in no uncertain terms, very publicly, that um, it would never hold up. Yep, so. and the proof is in the pudding, damn it. Oh. <laughs> right. All right, we're well going to go to break super quick. And when we get back, I want to talk about how the event went and more about Orlando and all of the intricacies and all of the excitement since it's still fresh in your mind. Okay. What makes Coranda Beds chew-proof? Only Coranda Beds have a patented design which secures the fabric inside the frame, making it totally inaccessible to jaws and paws. Your dog can't chew the fabric because we've hidden the edges inside the rails. Dogs love Coranda Beds. See why? Coranda Beds come in a variety of custom sizes. You can even add a fleece pad on top for extra coziness. And these beds can be used both indoors and outdoors. But best of all, our beds are easy to clean. Just wipe them off or hose them down. Visit dogbed.us slash thequirkydog for more details. All right, we are back and we have sound even, so that's even more exciting. All right, so tell us about this. This was a big buildup this year. It, the event was held in Orlando, correct? Yes. Okay, and the Invitational happens every year. I mean, this is AKC's event. This is something that is a yearly event. But COVID kind of put some, a lot of people were very opinionated about the event, for one. And then, obviously, the event ran a little bit differently. So just explain to us a little bit about your thinking about going and maybe precautions that were taken at the event. Just walk us through a little bit of that process. So, um, actually, the event was originally supposed to be held in June in Ohio. Okay. Um, every year, so that's the national championship. Every year, there's a tournament in Florida now that's called the Classic. Okay. So, when um, they canceled the NOC in June, obviously, because of COVID, um, so the AKC decided to not have the Classic this year in Orlando and put the national there instead. Okay. Um, so, you know, I'm sure figuring then hopefully by then, by this time of year, things would be better. Um, so I personally, I just feel that, um, you know, I knew they were taking an enormous amount of precautions and they've had trials here in the area. So I don't feel like there was any difference trialing there versus trialing here because we're taking so many precautions. So um, I felt perfectly safe. And having been there, I can verify that they went above and beyond and um, not just in planning it and implementing it, but um, enforcing and making sure that, you know, all the um, precautions were in place and everybody was safe. Good. That's awesome. I'm glad to hear that. And then you had trialed quite a bit. I mean, I've seen you posting videos from local trials wearing a mask and your dogs have been used to this. Do you think some people there hadn't necessarily trialed in masks already? Like, did you see any kind of discrepancies with the dogs and the training or anything, or it all seemed smooth? No, I don't think the dogs mind. So I did this um, super random thing. I thought I was going to, so clever, right? And I <laughs> did this live a few months ago and I'm like, this is going to be, uh, you're all going to watch the first time I trained my dogs with a mask on. And I made predictions that Zeal was going to be horrified and not be able to do it. And he could have cared less. Like yeah. he, so, which really goes to show that, um, 
I don't think they're he's they're going by my face. I think they're going by my eyes. Okay, because I do use eye contact a lot. So um, and uh, some of my students have all used masks, and um, everyone I've talked to, um, I think we all thought they would have trouble with it. They haven't had any trouble, which just goes to show again how little we know about <laughs> dogs and learning and yeah, everything dogs and what we think that you know. The yeah. only thing I've seen where the do the dogs really are looking at the mouth is if we were doing distant positions. If the dog is sixty feet in front of us. And uh, we, would, like we, would, French ring, we would proof that right. by moving our jaw a lot and see if the dog starts to anticipate a position, right. seeing the jaw move, you know? Yeah, I don't think the face um, really, um, he's performed, neither of my dogs, both of my dogs have performed exactly the same with the mask on versus with the mask off. And I didn't feel like I needed to train it or transition it. As a matter of fact, after a while, I just, when I'm by myself, I didn't wear it. Um, and then I just wear it when I trial and they're fine. Yeah. My one border collie seems to think when we take them off at night that I, it's, she's big on fabric. She likes socks and stuff. So she's like, Oh, you put your toy on the coffee table. And I'm like, all right, well, it's not a toy if it's on someone else's face. So like, let's just put this straight. So I just, I keep a closer eye on her make sure she doesn't start lunging oh, at people excitedly. Could I, I had a question in the break with Jess. I wanted to ask you how many, based on what you were saying, there's like 800 runs a day going on. To get everyone, everyone gets their eight runs. You said there were like 50 dogs. You got to do eight runs per day with your dog, right? Mm -hmm. So how many uh, rings were there? Eight rings. Yeah, so you could move quick. Everyone's moving through pretty quick. Huh? Yeah, it actually um, went very fast. And that's yeah. kind of um, part of what the NOC is known for too, which is really hard. It can go rapid fire. So you can wait several hours to get in a ring. But then you could go in a few rings, like boom, 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 right in a row. Yeah. Um, so that happened a lot. And it's, uh, especially on Sunday, you're pretty much, um, you don't even put your dog in the crate. Um, we usually just put bring like a pad for them to lay on and you just move from ring to ring to ring. And there's just a short delay and then you go in and out and then on to the next. Do it's like a marathon. <laughs> do you ever train that way? Because I know a lot of people doing obedience training and nobody, I never see anyone do that. Do a I, whole... do, I do train like that on yeah. purpose because of that. Yes. Yeah. So um, my training partners and I will do that. We'll lay the dogs out and we'll do two or three exercises and then rotate, take turns. And then, you know, so the dogs are only down for five or six minutes and then up again. And yeah, yeah. that's great. How did you feel throughout the whole event? Like, were you feeling confident? Was everything going well? Zeal was performing how you wanted. You felt like things were going well. Were you stressed? Walk us through a little bit of that. Um, so this year I went in with a completely different mindset. Um, I worked super hard on my mental game, um, starting in March and, uh, because zeal needs me to be relaxed, uh, cause that's just the kind of dog he is. So, um, the first day I was super relaxed. So he was relaxed and then I was really confident in him. Um, he historically, uh, does extremely well and it's very common for him to have like one major blip where he just kind of cracks and then um, but his crack is bad enough that it puts us out and then he bounces right back so my only goal was to see could I get him through without the blip yeah. crackless <laughs> crackless was icing on the cake <laughs> yeah. so um, yeah handling him and being super relaxed and kind of casual about it was my goal to see would that work? Cause I hadn't tried that before. Um, so yeah, I was super confident in him. I think in the final rounds, the last four rounds, there was one ring that just, I felt there was an 
absolutely enormous amount of pressure from the environment on the dogs in that ring. So I was, that was the only one I was concerned about. Um, but thank goodness it worked out fine. It sounds like you were very brave. <laughs> she was very well, present. Let's say you were very present. And it sounds nice to say I, when I'm relaxed, everything goes well. That sounds like a good state to be in. The scary thing is you said I tried something I hadn't tried before. <laughs> That would make me nervous. <laughs> Let's try something I've never well, done before. Well, you know what? I, I knew other things I had tried hadn't worked. Yeah. So I knew Process I just had of elimination. changing it, right? Yeah. What do they say? The definition of insanity is doing the same, same thing, thing yeah, over and over again, over expecting over. the same different I, result. So, yeah. Um, I, I just had to try something different. And uh, it worked. Yeah. Well, and as much as you describe Zeal like this, a lot of your online students and more of the competitive dog world understands like his journey and everything else. But, you know, for our listeners, if they're just pet dogs or something, uh, just companion owners, he's not a big freak. Like I saw him in a seminar in New Hampshire and the dog looks totally normal now, but that's because of how you've handled him. Like back in the day before COVID, when we could get together and go to seminars and do dog things and do fun things, I saw you in New Hampshire with your dogs and you would never think of him the way that you describe him just because of the way you handle him and the way that you can bring up his drive and everything else. So it's just so interesting. You know, we, obviously he was very environmental and pressure sensitive, but he just looks like such a rock star now. It's hard to remember those days, you know? Yeah, but I do remember them because <laughs> I live them and um, I it's just um, tons and tons of work. And I mean, I literally I went out to Michigan several times to a behaviorist. Right. So it's, you have to go outside the box. You can't just say, well, I'm only going to go to obedience instructors. I went to a behaviorist. Um, Brenda Aloff, and she was phenomenal. She taught me about drive state. She taught me how to read him. She taught me that, you know, he was just afraid. And so um, once I understood that, it was a matter of just coming up with techniques and, um, you know, work training him in a way that worked for him. He, I, there's no way I could put pressure on him in training. There's no way I can tell him he's wrong in training. Um, so I just had to adjust and, um, come up and, and I just look, I, you know, I read all the time. I listen to podcasts all the time. I take webinar on and on just always looking from different sports, different things for different ideas. Um, to come up with. And I think the biggest game changer for me with him was coming up with all these games that I came up with some that I literally came up with just several months ago. Um, yeah. Within between now, like probably April, May, one of them, which was teaching him to move back into pressure. Uh, and it worked so unbelievably well that um, I warmed him up about an hour before the final rings, um, just with the with the backup game into pressure. And then if you see the ring I was the most afraid about was um, doing signals with all that pressure behind. And he went down and then backed up, um, which is crazy well, you know, going for. At, from a training perspective yeah. for a dog that's so afraid. Um, so you're really an innovator more so than a trainer. <laughs> What's you're, that? You're kind of an innovator more so you had to come <clears throat> up with techniques to, that have not really been done before to make this whole picture come together in a sense. Well, necessity is the mother of invention. Right? <laughs> so so how, how do you feel when people come up to you and say, I want to breed to that dog. That's the dog <laughs> I want to breed to. Cause that's the winner. And what do you, um, 
Because a lot of people, I mean, that don't know any better, they want to breed champions because they think those are the best dogs and, and the, the most, they can be the most saleable puppies, but not necessarily the best breeding. Well, I mean, in general, people make a lot of assumptions, right? They assume that they'll see one of my high drive labs working very in a very relatively controlled manner in the ring, and they have no idea what that dog is like to live with, right? Right. right. Um, for example, or um, like Tyler had his father had an insane amount of drive. Well, everyone can't handle that. If you don't yeah. know how to train in a way to channel that drive, as you know, I'm sure with a border collie, it leaks all over the place. Mm -hmm. and can be a huge disaster. Mm -hmm. So whenever people ask me about um, puppies or dogs or my dogs or, you know, um, people often ask me to recommend a breeder, I'm like, I really like to have a good conversation with them. What exactly are you looking for? Not just in training, but in the life, mm -hmm. uh, because the best working dogs are not always the best yeah. Pet dogs. You need compatibility there. And if we were yeah. more compatible with our pairings, yeah, our lab, be better. We had a lab breeder on uh, last month who was uh, surprised me. The dog he likes for working is not what I would think. It's not a real high drive dog. It's a, do a dog that works reliably, isn't super fast, but reliable. And he can live with the dog. And that's what he likes, you know. And I always think about these uh, field bred labs and how intense they are. And I love them when other people own them and I love to work them, <laughs> but yeah, I don't want to live with that every day. You know, <laughs> yeah, people say that to me all the time. They're like, I don't want, they look at me, they'll look at my dog and they're like, yeah, I don't want to live with that. <laughs> Good luck, know? lady. I, I have, it, it kind of fits with my personality. Like that's who I am. Right. I'm super energetic. I'm super high. I'm super high drive. <laughs> yeah. And uh, my dogs come to work with me, which is huge. Mm -hmm. um, I have a fenced in yard with a dog door. So I, you know, and I train them. And as long as I train them, um, that takes the edge off them. Right. Yeah. Right. So, so what are Zeal's plans? Because he's, what, eight, you said, right? Yeah. So what did, do you have like a, a public answer? Do you, is it a, something in your head that you're thinking about? Are you thinking retirement trialing locally? I, what are your I thoughts? I let my dogs choose. Um, right. So the day they give me that look and it's usually very, very subtle. Like with Tyler, it was very subtle. It was just that, um, I was training one day and, um, he made a mistake and whenever he made a mistake, I never made a big deal about it. I was, but he kind of got this look in his face that he never had had before. Um, and so I only had another, um, I think month or two before the world cup at that time. So I said, once you do that, you're done, you're retired. And that's what I did. Um, as of right now, zeal still physically a hundred percent. Like I have him check, you know, well, I work on him obviously all the time, but, uh, he goes to the pyro. Um, and right now he still runs out and wants to do it. So it's pretty much, he's going to get a month off now, whether he wants to or not. Um, and then it's really just up to him, but, yeah. um, you're not going to see him out there when he's, you know, limping, limping or stiff or, yeah. um, slugging along. Well, and people get so worried about the jumps and utility, but it's funny. Scott talks about doing the positions from a distance and that's, you know, for French ring and protection sports mm -hmm. and stuff. And they jump, I mean, the minimum is like 40 inches. You know what I mean? So like I say to, I say to people all the time, like people are like, oh, well, the dog's getting older. It should drop to preferred. I'm like, well, how high does it have to jump? And then, you know, you talk about an eight-year-old dog jumping 40 inches and people are like, wow, a dog can still do that. And it's physically able. So yeah, there's a certain, as long as you're able to read the dog and the dog is healthy, more power to you and the dog, you know, they want to work. He doesn't want to just sit there now for the next 10 years. 
Well, and I also, you know, I have a rehab facility. So my dog, so he goes in the underwater treadmill two, three times a week. I was going to ask he if you had one work of those. done all the time. Yeah. He does core work all the time. You know, so um, I've, I've always been super mindful, probably because I'm, you know, I used to race bicycles professionally. I run, I do yoga. So I've always been super mindful and I'm a physical therapist, right? About the physical aspect and yeah. how important that is. Yeah. Um, not just, you know, to compete, but also to maintain the dog yeah. um, for as long as possible. So he's super, super fit. He gets adjusted. I mean, the dog, you know, lives the life. Okay. <laughs> I should live his life. Please, yeah. you know. Um, so he's super fit. And uh, so that's not a concern right now. Like he ha physically, he's a hundred percent. And just so people learn that may not follow you religiously, you have two young females too, that you're running the show with, right? I have, um, I have one girl. Oh, and she, then you have a, the boy is the younger yeah, one. She's four. Okay. So she just finished her championship. So she's up and coming. So yeah, it's not like I, you know, and I wouldn't drag my dog till the bitter end, but I don't need to. Yeah. And then I have a, um, a boy, another boy was supposed to be a girl, ended up being a boy. Maybe that's um, why I got seven confused. months old. Yeah. So he's coming up too. So yeah. what's his name? We'll, we'll do a shout out for Nancy. Cause she's so proud. What was his name? The bo The puppy. Oh, Zesty. Yeah, yeah, but you did it with a P, right? There's something with, cute. Uh, yeah, because he's from um, Maranatha Kennels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah. they do P dogs. Um, so, well, his actual name is Possess. Yeah, there we go. That, that was trying Zesty to come along. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> Got it, yeah. <laughs> You're always clever with your names. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Petra. We are so happy for you. Don't go to the music oh, quite yet, you. Ben, because we're actually going to close... 2020 with a little passage that we read in our pocket Pema. We read this every day. We're actually on the third round of it. We do 40 minutes of meditation a day. And since you're a meditator, um, this is a good way to close out 2020. This will be our last podcast in 2020. You guys have been with us throughout the whole year. Thank you so much for that. Zeal has been named dog of the year. Um, and we are just going to close out with a short passage and we wish you all peace and good tidings for 2021. I'm getting excited about 2021. I'm feeling good things there. So, well, honey, we're, we're do it up. We're close with, with uh, Pema for Petra. And Pizazz. <laughs> I love Pizazz. her. I love her. And, oh, uh, we yeah, read she, her every day. For those of you that don't know, she's a Buddhist nun. And uh, I picked up this book at Barnes & Noble last year. And we've gone through this book three times. There's 100 and, you know, 110 passages in here. And every morning, at least five or six days a week, Jess and I will wake up and... Uh, we used uh, to read after, but now we read before to so try we'll to actually this. learn it. So we'll see. Maybe if we start reciting them on the podcast, they'll start to sink in better. And but. it's nice that I have a very short memory. <laughs> I could read the same passage every morning, and it would be brand new to me. All right, let's go. Okay. We're checking off 2021. Fundamental richness. Fundamental richness is available in each moment. The key is to relax. Relax to a cloud in the sky. Relax to a tiny bird with gray wings. Relax to the sound of the telephone ringing. We can see the simplicity in things as they are. We can smell things, taste things, feel emotions, and have memories. When we are able to be there without saying, I certainly agree with this, or I definitely don't agree with that, but just be here very directly, then we find fundamental richness everywhere. It is not ours or theirs, but is available always to everyone in raindrops, in blood drops, in heartache and delight. This wealth is the nature of everything. It is like the sun in that it shines on everyone without discrimination. So let us 
think about that yes. as we, we close the we year. We wish Petra and her dogs and all of you fundamental richness in the new year. Thank you so much for coming on and congratulations. Yes, congratulations. Well done. Well what done. An accomplishment. Thank you. Positive competition obedience for the win. I'm coming out with you. Take care, guys. Keep it quirky. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Thanks. The views and opinions expressed by the hosts, guests, or callers of this program do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe, the United Podcast Network, its partners or affiliates.